from CNU 23 in Dallas, this is the Strong Towns Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone. Welcome to CNU23 in Dallas, Texas. We're kicking off a three-day span of podcasts with two of my favorites. We've got Kristen Green and Kevin Shepard from Verdunity here for our very first podcast. Welcome Good to morning. the two of you. Good morning. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here and to be in your city again. I wanted to start with you guys because we have this uh, history here with you guys, right? Strong towns, Texas. We we do. You uh, you brought weather the last time you came through uh, about a year ago. So this this time it's a little nicer. <laughs> um, it's a little bit nicer. Is, I haven't been outside today. Is it's it going to be nice? It's in today? the sixties, and I think it's going to get up to to high seventies, low eighties, and sunny. Oh, so it's balmy. It's, it's almost hot for a. Good and we're in so. here with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, I, I wanted to uh, go over a, a little bit of ground that you and I covered, Kristen, when I had you on the podcast before, and then talk a little bit about some of the stuff you guys are doing now. G- give our audience who didn't hear the podcast just a 101 on your organization and kind of how it came into existence. Would you, could you do that for me? <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's see. Um, we actually just um, celebrated our four-year anniversary. Congratulations. So, thank you. Um, we started, um, I guess about five years ago, Kevin and I started talking about um, some ways that we could do things differently. Uh, we were part of a larger engineering firm and just kind of doing the same old, same old, and uh, just didn't really feel like we were helping our clients actually solve their problems. So um, at the time, Kevin was in a national role with that um, company, and he was traveling all over and seeing all these great things everyone else was doing. and. We just thought, gosh, we could really bring some of those ideas back to North Texas and really make a difference here and help our clients. Some of the stuff make you couldn't the do better. with the big firm, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 It was it was trying to to focus on the clients first instead of the the services, which a lot of the firms, the typical engineering and planning firms, will just focus on selling those services and keeping the, their people busy. Uh, and going after the the lots of zeros instead of the little projects that have a big impact. It's amazing to me because having worked for an engineering firm, uh, there's a suite of services you offer. There's a toolbox you offer. And a lot of times you go in and, and lo and behold, every problem a city has has a solution in that toolbox, right? <laughs> right. And and that toolbox doesn't include a lot of the, we'll, we'll say, the, the, the more hands-on, smaller kind of projects, Right. 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 I think to, yeah, to, to kind of keep that going, what, what we saw was, you know, the, the fiscal challenges of the city, uh, the different cities, some of the, uh, the water challenges that the cities were, uh, were facing and the solutions were, you know, integrated across disciplines. Um, and, you know, to get some of those started, just to get the ideas started, you have to, you have to start small. And that's, um, that's really when we started our organization is about the same time that, that I came across Strong Towns and, and started to follow what what you were writing, and um, and that's evolved now into where we are today, where we do probably um, you know half our work is design work of you know on the engineering side of of what we're trying to say you know projects that don't suck right right, <laughs> um, and then the other side is is getting into more of the planning work of 
not a traditional comp plan, but trying to help these cities identify the, the projects that can um, help them, you know, what what we're talking about is a, a fiscally and an environmentally uh, resilient future. Well, let's talk about the comp plan thing a little bit, because you're an engineer, Kristen. Yes. You're an engineer, Kevin. Uh, you guys started an engineering company to do engineering, and all of a sudden now you're finding yourselves in huge demand to do planning kind of work. <laughs> What, what is, when did you wake up and realize that we got to get out in front of some of this stuff and, and do more planning work? Well, just to back up a minute, yes, we are both engineers, but we never started this firm with the idea that we were going to be engineers. We knew from the beginning that we had to get involved on the planning end because that's where the actual decisions get made. If you wait till the implementation level to try to incorporate some different things, it's, it's too late. In now the you're process. expensive, you're big pipe, you're, yep. you have your options limited. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so the, the planning stuff, um, initially we were getting some, some requests to be on a, a comp plan team for transportation related, uh, the transportation element, um, the, the green infrastructure, the open space element is something that, that, um, we've really established a niche in too. But, so we were in a support role on some, some plans. Uh, and then that, um, that kind of evolved. We were, we started to get into conversations. I, I had a conversation with, with several firms that they wanted us to do the traditional comp plan, the, the big visioning, the, all the stuff on the walls, all, all that stuff that, uh, uh, that a lot of them do. And, and we kept coming back to, hey, the dollars, you know, if you can't, if this plan is going to produce a, a future for a city that 20 or 30 years from now they can't pay for, why the heck are you doing it? Um, so then it kind of evolved to, well, if we really want to do the kind of plan that we want to do and that we think the cities need to do, uh, we just need to jump out there and go after them as a prime ourselves. Um, and we've done that and we've won a couple here lately, um, knocking off some of what I'll call the, the big boy firms. And, um, you know, we get told after we've been selected that, uh, our approach and our presentation uh, was very different and it resonated with them, um, and now the challenge that we're getting into is okay. Now that we've sold this idea, how the heck are we really going to do? Well, we got to go do this, it. right? Right. <laughs> Which you know, Chuck, you and you and I have had yeah. several conversations about what you know, what ideas and what processes are out there that uh, philosophically we're on the same page. But how do we actually move this through an actual planning project? Well, well you guys are in. You guys are pioneers, and it's been interesting. To me, in terms of like the stuff I do and then watch you guys and, and work with you guys and, and watch the way that your operation has evolved in terms of communicating that message, it's really a lot harder when the rubber meets the road, right? I mean, we can go into a, an interview process and focus on the numbers and have a city council say, oh, that makes a ton of sense you know, nobody else is talking this way. We're completely on board with you. Th this is exactly what we want to do. Small tactile projects, uh, low budget, high return. But then we start to go out and do them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, oh, you mean you're going to slow down traffic? Oh, you mean you're going to, we got to look at land use codes? Oh, you mean we got to look at zoning? Uh, all of a sudden, you know, when the rubber hits the road, it's, it's a lot more difficult of a conversation. Are, are you guys... How do you kind of work your way through that? I mean, I know it's a lot about relationships, but you know, yeah. how do you think? How do you think we navigate that minefield in a sense? You know, uh, you know, I, I because think it's so much easier to be the engineer that goes and gets the grant to do the big project mm -hmm. because sure. you simplify the number of variables you're dealing with. 
it's you, you, the, the size of the project means you can kind of run over opposition. <laughs> You're dealing with you know small little things, a lot of handholding kind of stuff. I, I think, um, and that, that's another reason that that we found our way into the comp plans is is especially in, in this area of North Texas and, and Texas and Oklahoma, Arkansas, that that area. Um, it, it's still it's a lot. It's all about the money and it's all about economic development. Um, and you know the the conversation, the podcast that that you just had with your council. <laughs> uh, was Gary Sheeler was yeah. um, it was frustrating and it was fascinating at the same time because that's that's the mentality that we see in so many uh, communities around here. But but it is um, it's education and it's focusing on money and water um, and and it's it's showing them how to instead of going after grants to get their money to do projects, it's showing how they can actually create, their, to use your term, to create their own wealth. Create their own wealth, you know, right. Do, some, do yeah. some little projects to create some new money in a new neighborhood and then feed that back in. So, so we're trying to figure out you know, how do you do that level of education, how do you get down to the grassroots neighborhood involvement level to have those projects filter up um, without spending a ton of money with our, our team going to all of these different places and, and all of these meetings. So I, I think with the, with the one that we're about to start, I'm really excited about, and, and I won't say the, the name of the, the town, but it's a, it's a small town out, um, east of, uh, east of Dallas. And they've got a, uh, they've been around for a while, but it's got a great, uh, you know, three block, four block main street, um, but the growth is about to come. And so right now they're kind of fiscally strapped and they're out there, of, you know, we want a Walmart. We want, you know, anything we can get to get some sales tax in. But they have this great downtown. And, you know, in the interview, I stole the, the, the Strong Towns and, and Joe Minicozzi stuff and actually grabbed a couple of their buildings, you know, right on their downtown block awesome. and then grabbed the Jack in the Box and the Denny's and showed them those numbers. And everybody was like, you know, <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah. So, you know, so, and, you know, some of the goals that they talk about is, well, we want, we want to, you know, expand on our downtown and we want economic development and we want, you want to tie into the community pride that we have. So it's kind of stitching together a lot of those things that they want already and just showing them how to, to do it. So I'm call, I'm starting to call it the dream team, but we, on this, this project that we have, we have an accountant buddy of ours, uh, that focuses on, he, he's coming in doing the numbers that basically says, here's, uh, you know, here's all of your, your assets and liabilities. Um, you know, here's your fee structure, all of that stuff. Uh, we're hoping to get you to come in, um, and do, uh, uh, do some upfront education, maybe a, a shorter version of your, of your curbside chat, uh, maybe participate in some of the initial workshops with council and staff. Yeah. Uh, but we also have Monty. On right, the team. Monty Anderson. Uh, so Monty Anderson is the guy who's our, actually done done it. So he's our guy that we brought yeah. in and said, "Okay, you want to do small scale stuff? Um, here's your guy that's done it." And then here's all the frustrations that that he's having. Right. Uh, and the flip side of that is that's cool is now you know Monty and I have been talking about he's got a couple of communities that he's working with that he wants to do more of his stuff and still has uh, the challenges that he's facing from the the engineering stuff and the code and and you know the the on street parking and bike lanes all those things he wants to accomplish and. He's um, he's got challenges trying to get that through to uh, the city staff and the city leaders. So he's starting to pull us in to help him awesome. articulate more on how to, to to break down those walls. So we're really um, and we've talked about this about once a year. We come back to our firm and say, well, what are we? Who are we? How have we evolved? And and it's a lot of education and it's a lot of connecting. You know, bridging bridging. You know, breaking down those walls, breaking down those silos bringing the, the planners and the engineers together, the economic development and, and all that stuff. So it's, 
it's a lot of fun, but it's it's definitely new territory. Well, let me ask you this because we have a lot of engineers in our audience, and a lot of um, I, I get emails all the time from young engineers who are basically where you guys were maybe ten years ago. We're in the big firm. We're you know working the the machine. We're really frustrated because we we're, we believe in what Strong Towns is doing, and we want to do a different kind of project, but we can't within this structure. The business model that you guys are pioneering, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out here and go ahead and push back on it. It seems to me at the end of the day that the holy grail we're trying to get to is a place where a city would be willing to pay more for an engineer. Uh, that delivers real high value and wealth creation as opposed to paying less for an engineer who can deliver a commodity, which is a, a, a new strode with a federal grant. Is that a, cause to me, that's a value added proposition where, where as an engineering firm, as a, as a, as a person looking out there to start their own firm, sometimes it's slim pickings, right? I mean, it's really hard at first to get up and going, but, to me, the, the point we're trying to get to is where we actually are the premium offering, right? We're going to come in and we're not going to, we're not going to make half a million dollars in fees doing a big, huge project. We might make a lot less in fees, but as a percent of the project and a percent of what we return to the city in terms of value, it's going to be much, much higher. In other words, the premium option. Is that a fair, is that a fair roadmap for where you guys are trying to go? Yes, absolutely. That's what we have been attempting to do for the last four years. And I think we're, um, I, I think when we started, we were a little bit ahead of the market. I think the, um, we've, we've helped bring it along some. It's not completely there. Um, we are in North Texas. But, um, yes, that is, that is our goal to be a, um, a value add service and not just another engineering firm doing the same old design type projects. And, um, you know, the, I think that that has a lot of implications on um, the size of your firm. You know, I, I think that what the size of the firm is, you know, that's pretty lean, and we can right. we can be pretty lean, and we can offer some people that are highly specialized in what they're doing, and maybe they don't necessarily do the cranking and do all the design, but it's the ideas. Um, and that's where we we have put ourselves in a position where our our true value is our thoughts and our ideas on how to do things differently. Right. That, yeah. That, that's what I find so inspiring. And, and that um, you know, back on the the green infrastructure open space piece, um, you know, I, I, if you look at our our group, you know, between us, we've got the land use and and code and some of the planning expertise. Um, we've got some of the transportation um, more in the, in the terms of of repurposing road diet right sizing. A complete street work uh, and then Michael Wilkins uh, has been doing some great work for us on the, the stormwater management side both with water a lot of people talk about water supply but the water quality is a big issue too with as a result of all the development that we've had uh, in the last probably 10 years uh, we have a just an awesome slide that shows um, all of the the water bodies in North Texas that are now have now been been uh, classified as, as impaired uh, which they have you know levels of bacteria that are too high for for public you know use or uh, what have you, and and so he, that's okay. You guys have tons of water here. Uh, you know, so well, we yeah. do. We just got dumped on the last couple of days, so <laughs> everything's cool, right? No, um, but but he's looking at it of how can we go in? There's a lot of buzz too about 
green infrastructure and and you know we need more trees and and the quality of life of the the trails and, and those things so so he's looking at it of overlaying um you know where our water supply where our water quality issues but also where are places that need to be more walkable and finding kind of the, the same concept of the the high return investments that if you go in through a watershed and incorporate your green infrastructure here you can use your water you know where it falls you can get your street trees with less irrigation infrastructure um, and you can have a better place and it's more functional. Um, so again, that's just another piece of, of he's coming in on, on park master plan projects, on park design projects, on neighborhood reconstruction projects. Um, that's a piece of it. And, and we're, I think we're, we're kind of falling in on or settling on this idea of calling ourselves community consultants. That's sure. more what it, we're, st we will still do some design on certain projects. Um, there's a lot of residential retrofit, you know, neighborhood reconstruction stuff that's going on. And, and you get into questions of, do you really want to put back exactly what's there? You know, your 37 foot wide street and all that kind of. And so it's it's um, and, and I think the, the comp plans have been a way for us to start to go after a project type that cities and people are comfortable with, that we can come in and start to have some of these conversations. But we'd love to ultimately be in a role where we can come in and meet with a council and staff um, and citizens and, and, and kind of be that kind of on-call advisor of, of you, know, you know, where do we make these investments? And I know I've, I've served on, on a citizen committee for a CIP program in, in my hometown, you know, two different towns before. And, you know, a lot of the ways those, those committees get put together, you know, you have a council and they just kind of handpick people to go on that committee and half of them that are on there have no idea right. what they're what they're picking or why they're picking at it. And, and, you know, Kristen's involved in, in her city's, uh, you know, plan right now. And, and it's just cities need to be smarter about where they're investing this money and, you know, no disrespect to average Joe citizen, but, um, you know, to, to have that process. Uh, no, it's the gut reaction no. that a lot of people have. I yeah. mean, I, I get this too in my own hometown. You go in and you start talking about how we can make, if we, if we put a, 20 foot of sidewalk in here. It'll make a huge difference. And the average member of the public says, this is ridiculous. My commute is uh, too long. Uh, you know, let's spend it filling potholes and, and making the streets yeah. wider. And, and you're like, well, okay, well, you realize that we lose tons of money every time we do that. Like those investments never pay off. And you're also complaining because your taxes are too high and the city's cutting other services. Uh, you know, so you've got this this trade-off back and forth. Yeah, well, sorry, and it's um, I'll, uh, a job that we did several years ago was a residential street reconstruction, and we were at a, a public meeting for it, um, and a gentleman came up, you know, the, the project had basically been designed, and we actually had the meeting out in the, the it's one of those that had a 90-degree little eyebrow bubble uh, to it, and we actually set up tables there in the, um, in the little cul-de-sac area and had people uh, come out, and, and a gentleman came up to me and he said, hey, you know, just, you know, what did this project cost? And it was basically just to reconstruct the residential street, put it back exactly the way it was. Right. And I told him, and he kind of, you know, he <laughs> thought about that for a second. He goes, okay. Uh, and then he said, well, well, where did this money come from? And told him, and the, and the city engineer was kind of off maybe about five, ten feet away um, and kind of watching this conversation. And so, and, and I told him, and then he's like, well, we have a lot of streets in our city. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, so how did you decide to do mine? How did you, why did you decide to do this one? And I, and I told him, and about that time, the, the city engineer came over and started to join the conversation. And he, so he's listening. He's like, and he, and he paused for about a good minute. And he's just sitting there, and, and I was 
kind of looking at it. It was that awkward silence of, is, is he going to say anything else or not? And then he, then he came back and he said, well, I'm really glad you decided to do our street now. And he walked off. Yeah. And, and he, the light bulb went off of, he's like, the city, does, how are they going to pay for all of these cities right. with only this, you know, a, right. a small amount of money? And, it's and never going to happen. And there, when you talk, whether it's, you know, my church group or, or, you know, our kids, parents, you know, our, our friends, they don't know what a typical block of street costs or a fire hydrant or, they have no idea what that stuff costs. And they just think when their street's done, it's going to be replaced. Right. And when you start to tell them that it doesn't, it's like, holy moly. Right. But then on the council side, they don't, they don't want to raise taxes. Right. You know, so you, it's a... You, you have this, let me ask you about, because I, I, I want to ask you about the green infrastructure, because you brought that up. And it, it's interesting to me because I've seen the big firms talk green infrastructure but I know, and it, because I've, I've experienced this enough, it's like the lost leader, right? It's the marketing thing. It's the thing you put on your brochure. Uh, yeah, we do green infrastructure, but you really don't have a, a, a commitment or a system or, or an approach that scales down because green infrastructure is all about the minute and the attention to detail, and the large firms don't work on that scale. What, what are you guys doing with green infrastructure, and, and why is that such an important thing here in Texas? Well, uh, the with green infrastructure, um, I think what a lot of people are focused on with green infrastructure is uh, water quantity, uh, reduce the size of the pipes to save you a little money. But um, what what we're actually looking at is um, green infrastructure is cleaning our water, which doesn't get treated once it goes into our storm sewer system, and if our um, our creeks and streams and lakes are polluted, that diminishes the value of the places around them. So what what we're trying to do is to sell the water quality piece and how important that is. Um, and it's, it has nothing to do with a, a regulatory um, issue. I think you know the, the regulatory agency really isn't pushing too hard on the issue, but what we're trying to focus um, our message on is the economic impact of that, which we've said from day one is Dollars is something that everyone understands. So um, we actually have a job with um, the Parks Department for the City of Dallas right now. We, were, we are evaluating their entire park system because parks is actually a really, really great place to incorporate green infrastructure. Um, and so we all know that parks add to the quality of life, but we are actually using a software developed by um, it was developed by a, a guy that we used to work with, our, uh, our former firm, that started his own deal about the same time we started Verdunity called Impact Infrastructure, where he was building a tool called the Business Case Evaluator, where he is trying to put actual dollars to these quality of life parameters. And um, he has recently, within the last six months or a year, joined up with Autodesk, to his his software or his package is now a add-on to Autodesk, where you can actually run different scenarios of green infrastructure implementation through the system and see what is the what is the outcome and what impact does it have on the, the economic value of the whatever is around that park system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know that's that's what we're focusing on is if you incorporate green infrastructure, um, you know it. I don't think that green infrastructure is the cheaper option up front. It's if if anyone tells you it's cheaper to do that up front, it's it's not. 
but it adds more value to your development, which in the long run creates places that have a chance of supporting themselves um, you know, with the, the taxes paying for the infrastructure in that area. And I think most people, to go back to you know, the point about the public, I think most people just don't understand how much all that costs. They assume, well, if I'm in a neighborhood with $200,000 houses, that's a lot of money, and think of all those taxes. But right. I've actually run the math on that, and um, it's not that know, much when it gets down to the city. Right. It's it's. Um, I ran the math on if we had a, a development that had two hundred thousand dollar homes on average, and the taxes that you would get. This was based off the tax rate in my hometown, but it only paid for a tenth of the cost to replace that infrastructure over thirty years, right. which is typically the life of infrastructure. So there is a huge gap there, and most people just don't understand that. So the the attempt here is to actually do the math, show people the numbers, and can't really argue with that. Right. And the only thing I'd, I'd add to that is just, uh, Chuck, you mentioned doing the, the it's, it's small projects, but it's it's also, I think, you know, Michael would say, he, he cringes at a lot of the stuff you go and, and you look and it's just, well, we just threw, you know, a little bioswale here, we threw some trees here, and it's not functioning. And and so you have to look out, you know, we, we say look at it at a watershed level. And how can you do stuff at the at the top of the hill all the way down through to the bottom in a way that 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 functions, you know, that, that that manages the water better, but that also creates value through that. And that's where, you know, that's where overlaying it with the, the parks, the neighborhoods and some of that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's about being more strategic where you use green infrastructure and, um, yeah. you know, not just let's not just blanket it everywhere. Let's put it where it's going to make the biggest impact. Let's finish up by talking a little bit about the CNU legacy charrettes. Yeah, um, that was that was an interesting <laughs> experience. I'm uh, I'm on the the local host committee, local local board for for CNU, and one of the things that that Lynn and Doug Farr talked about right after Buffalo was was we want to start this legacy charrette um, project, and so we 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 went round and round of one in Dallas, one in Fort Worth, or um, some different options, and ultimately we ended up doing one in in Garland, which is a, a, a an inner tier. Uh, I, I won't call them a, a suburb because they're really their own separate com- type of community. But one in Garland, one in Fort Worth, and one in Burleson. Um, we were involved. Michael helped out with the, the Fort Worth one and, and worked with the Tortigales guys uh, specifically on this green infrastructure st- stuff that we talked about. How do you how can you integrate open space more effectively on that one? Um, but um, I was personally involved with the, the Garland one, working with Tim Van Meter and, and his team. Um, Rick Adamski and Amanda Popkin from Ash Lime and, and Andrew Laska. Um, and, and it was a great, great experience of just a crash course, two and a half days, um, where we had a nice area just east of downtown that, that has the old traditional grid and, um, and they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with it. Um, and, and then, oh, by the way, the night before the charrette was going to happen, the, the mayor told us that they're looking at a thoroughfare plan update and they're talking about rerouting, uh, rerouting, uh, State Highway 78. Uh, right through this neighborhood as a six-lane boulevard was the term that he used. Wow. Yeah. So, but there's, oh, by, there's but an oh, improvement. Yeah, but oh, by the way, we want to make it more walkable. Uh, so, <laughs> so our challenge, and, and this neighborhood was cut off from downtown by a railroad already. So, like, okay, you want these people to walk into downtown, not just crossing a railroad, but also now crossing a six-lane divided boulevard, <laughs> which, it, which it wasn't. Um, and so in two and a half days... 
our team, you know, we, uh, we actually brought the transportation guys in, talked to them about all of this stuff, talked to them about, you know, bringing people over and, and driving through this neighborhood just so they can see downtown, um, isn't necessarily going to help the neighborhood or the, or the downtown. So we actually, again, in two and a half days, got them to back off down to a four lane section, um, undivided, uh, on street parking, um, got uh we talked about the value the downtown was getting um between 18 and 20 dollars a foot um the uh the east neighborhood that we were looking at was averaging about six dollars a foot um and we said you know if you make this more walkable and the whole area is is in part of their downtown tiff so we're like that's you know that's another probably 12 to 15 dollars a foot in property values that you can capture just by making this neighborhood more walkable um awesome. and, and so i mean a, a, we brought all these different perspectives together two and a half days. It was, it was a great experience and, um, and really showed the value of, of seeing you and the different perspectives of if you can get everybody together in a room for just a short amount of time, you can really, really change, um, the way people think and, and the future of a neighborhood. So hopefully, uh, all three of them and uh, Burleson and, and Fort Worth were the same story. So hopefully all three of those kind of move forward and, and do, you know, what, what Lynn and, and Doug and all of us at CNU want, which is, Make those, you know, legacy projects to transform those communities and then be examples for other communities, uh, in Texas and around the country for how to make the, the little improvements that, that add the value that, that CNU is about and that, that Strong Towns is about and that, that our firm's about. Kristen Green, Kevin Shepard, the firm is Verdunity, V-E-R-D-U-N-I-T-Y dot com online. You guys are pioneers. You're some of my heroes. I, I love what you do. Thanks so much for sharing with us and, and being part of the podcast in the CNU 23. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Take care. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Oh, Magnet City! I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.